This is the message from Connection Community Church for Sunday, March 30th, 2014. Amazing. Amazed by his power over demons. Well, good morning again, Connection Church. My name's Carrie Jones. And I'm still Alan Jones. And we are two sinners who have been saved by the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Would you pray with us, please? God, thank you so much for today. Thank you that we can look at your word, uh, read your Bible, and learn uh, the good news of the gospel and how to apply that to our lives. Thank you for each person here today. It's no accident that anybody's here. Open us up. We pray this in your name. Everybody gathered said, Amen. Amen. And so last week we talked about Jesus' amazing power over nature, how Jesus calmed the storm and the disciples who were with him in the boat that day. Well, calming the storm was not the end of the adventures on that journey. Here's what happened next. We are reading uh, Matthew chapter 5. Here we go. It's not Matthew, it's Mark. Mark chapter 5. Starts with the same letter. Yeah, it does. I'm still like sweating over that video. Anyway, when they got across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes, and when Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? In God's name, don't torture me. For Jesus has said to him, Come out of this man, you impure spirit. And then Jesus asked him, What is your name? And my name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. A large herd of pigs was feeding on the nearby hillside. And the demons begged Jesus, Send us among the pigs, allow us to go into them. And he, Jesus, gave them permission, and the impure spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. So here we have, following the storm, Jesus and his crew ended up in a region of the Gerasenes. Now they're covering new ground here. By crossing the lake, we talked about the lake last week, it was called the Sea of Galilee, great. Uh, They ended up in Gentile or non-Jewish territory. And it was very interesting when they crossed over because everything around them seemed unclean from a Jewish perspective. (laughs) Here they saw a wild man hanging out in the graveyard and there were pigs, Jewish pig, okay, and impure, there was an impure spirit about the man. A man with an impure spirit, you gotta say, so what does that mean? 
Well, basically, that's another way of saying that this man had a demon or demons. He was, he was demon-possessed. Now, demons are unholy, rebellious, thoroughly depraved creatures who rebel against God and all that God is, God does, all that God stands for. The chief demon is Satan. Yeah, he's the boss demon. And they come under his command, all others. Ultimately, though, and this is something we should never, ever forget. Ultimately, God is in control. Say that with me, will you? God is in control. Turn to that person next to you. Say it like you mean it. God is in control. God, some days we forget that. Some days when we're having a really bad day, it seems like maybe Satan's in control, but that isn't the case. God, <coughs> God is in control. And um, um, those demons and even Satan's, uh, Satan exist only because God allows it. Now, some days you got to say, geez, God, uh, especially on those challenging days, uh, you have to wonder, why doesn't this God just wipe them out? I don't know. We know from Scripture, though, that a day is coming when all will be vanquished. Amen? Amen. But for now, God allows them, and so we got to deal with them. Well, the value here is that we can see Jesus' amazing power that knows no bounds. Jesus' power that has no bounds, that knows no bounds, not only does he have power <laughs> over nature, as we talked about last week, but he has power to heal anything, anyone, anywhere. He's just not limited to his little place and surroundings. Now that being said, and this is kind of hard, but Jesus chooses where and when his power will be exercised. And in this case, he exercises it on behalf of the Gerasene demoniac. Mm. And so when the demoniac saw Jesus <coughs> excuse me, from a distance, he ran to him, he fell on his knees in front of him, and at the top of his voice shouted, What do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? In God's name, don't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, Come out of this man, you impure spirit. See, here's the thing. Even demons recognize Jesus. Sometimes people don't, but demons know Jesus, and they know who he is, and they know what he does. Right here, son of the Most High God. This demon knows exactly who Jesus is. Isn't that incredible? And they also know that Jesus has power over them. And they know that Jesus can destroy them at any moment. And, um, and, then, and in so doing, the demons here are fearful. Fearful that that may well happen right here. They were powerful demons. As we see in Scripture, they're demons that control the man to the point of him having supernatural power. There were chains <laughs> that couldn't hold him down. I mean, he was bound by his wrists and by his feet. He tore through the chains and, and those shackles on his ankles. No one, nothing could subdue him. That's pretty powerful. And he was out of his mind living day and night among the tombs. That is a pretty uh, 
crazy dark picture, isn't it? Can't you just imagine? Now, we find this story also in the book of Luke, and Luke describes this man. He goes as far as saying that the man, the man ran naked through the graveyard, no place to call home. I mean, can you even imagine how tortured this man was? What absolute hell this man was in. Hmm. And the demons don't leave when Jesus first calls them out. Uh, then he asked the man his name. You know, it was believed that if you knew someone's name, you had power over them. Funny thing is, Jesus has power over them anyway, but, and Jesus knew his name long before he asked. It's always good to hear the other person share it. And here's what's really telling, what comes out of the man's mouth. My name is Legion, for we, catch that? We are many. We, many demons. This, see, this area is under Roman rule. A legion in the Roman army consisted of four to 6,000 men. And so by identifying himself as such, we understand that this man is besieged by many demons, not just one or two. He uh, is in a regiment, a company, a virtual army of demons <coughs> are dwelling in this man. Uh, he is he's being tortured by a large unit of Satan's infantry. This legion of demons begs Jesus to not send them out of the area, but instead allow them to go into this herd of pigs that's feeding on the hillside. It's kind of a weird thing. But anyway, we wonder why Jesus is even conversing with the demons, but we find out why. He does what they ask. He allows the demons to go into the herd of pigs, all of them. There's how many of them? 2,000 of the pigs. And then what happens is those pigs rush down and jump off a cliff into the sea, into the lake, and they drown. You see, this is a very real and visible demise of those creatures that this guy can see like they are dead they are gone the demons that invaded his life are drowned they're out of there this troubled man was literally able to see that happen can you just imagine he was once a prisoner and now liberated once bound up and now free he experienced freedom, and he gets to see this freedom unfold before his very eyes. That's like awesome, incredible, and a word that we're using quite frequently, amazing. amazing. Have you ever seen somebody who's possessed by a demon? Yeah, it's pretty wild. We have a relationship with a pastor over in India. We help support his ministry there, and several of us over the years have been over to be in mission or in health camps over there, uh, medical camps. And I had the opportunity about seven years ago to go over with one of my daughters. And uh, well, first time I think I was preaching out in the street, we had a couple hundred people there, and the guy who took us, Steve, said, uh, you may notice somebody who's demon-possessed. I said, how will you know? He said, how will I know? He says, you'll know. Just look at his eyes. So I'm preaching. And I'm not picking on you, but it was right about over there. <laughs> I still can see the guy. He had dark black eyes that virtually was like a laser looking through you as I'm preaching. I go, okay, I got it. 
Then later on, we went to this church called the Church of the Demoniacs. I don't know if that's a fish or if that's kind of just the... Everyone in that church had been delivered from at least one demon. And so I got to preach there again. I don't speak the language, so it was with an interpreter. And at the end of the message, they said, uh, some people would like to pray with you. I said, okay. And about the fourth person in line came up, and it wasn't just the eyes, but there was convulsion, there was body movement. You could just tell this person was possessed by the And it wasn't just there. There were several other people praying, and all over the room, he laid out on the floor. And I love Scott the way he did. He just have his Bible. Never talked to the demon, just said, yeah, in the name of this. Jesus. Just sweeping his Bible across the person laying on the floor. In the name of Jesus. He never talked to the demon. He talked to Jesus. Yeah. Let me tell you, whew, that's, whew, that's an experience I will never, ever forget. And, and it's interesting because it was there, and I've seen that maybe once or twice here, uh, but it's not nearly as frequent we see it. We don't see it that much in this country. I'm not, I'm not sure why. I can only guess. Maybe it's because in this culture, Satan is able to infiltrate in much more subtle ways. Um, in fact, here, if you acted like legion, they would put you away in an institution. We, we institutionalize people who uh, are, are, that, are that possessed, um, and you wouldn't be heard from. Uh, but here now, we, we have demons, but they're much more subtle, much more socially acceptable, uh, much more able to uh, allow us to function in a day-to-day -day world here, uh, fairly unnoticed, uh, enculturated almost. Most of us, have a demon or two that we wrestle with. We're not demon-possessed, but there are these, these forces that kind of work against us and gets our attention because they distract us from who God is and what God wants for our lives. Our behavior may not be as bizarre, bizarro as this man, but it is behavior that really isn't Christ-honoring at times. You know, we all have our own demons. Things, things especially dealing with some addiction, there's a lot of them. You know, alcohol, drugs, either legal or illegal, and we get caught up in that. Pornography, sex, gambling. There's a lot of things that grab us and hold us there. There are also... Uh, demons like the need to control. I'm not talking about uh, healthy, you know, managing, but a need to control. Control other people, a need for power, and to wield that power in a way that isn't good. Uh, money, influence, it can all be used for good, but this is sometimes demons, the evil one grabs us, and we don't use those things for good. There are things, you know, we experience, maybe it's abuse. Uh, we're one who has been or is being abused, or we're an abuser. There are things that, some things don't seem so bad. Now, the abuse thing is absolutely horrible, but there are some things that don't seem so bad, but there still are demons, like overeating, overworking, you know, over pride. That, that's a demon. 
there's a lot of whatevering, you know, over whatevering. And other things like the need to achieve uh, a bigger house, uh, a different job, more money, and all that can be good, but when it's different motives, it's not good. It's not good. And our challenge is this, that in India it was pretty easy to identify, but here Satan's very subtle, very, very subtle. Satan is slick, he's crafty, and he knows our buttons. He knows our hot buttons. He knows where we're vulnerable, oftentimes better than we do. Hmm. Yeah, and sometimes so subtle you don't even realize or recognize or even understand. I, several years ago, I went to something called Unbound. It was a, at a church in Pennsylvania. It was a, designed to help us recognize um, our demons and find freedom from them. And um, through some time there and through some prayer, I came to realize some demons that I'd been wrestling with over the years. But one really kind of surprised me, but it was very telling, actually. Um, and involved my relationship with Carrie. We first dated when she was like 16, I was like 18. So we're going back a couple of years here. And um, just a couple. And um, for her sake, I won't say how many. And, um, and I came to realize that even though it was many, many years later, I was still kind of looking at her, kind of uh, uh, dealing with her in some ways, like she was still 16, 17 years old. I didn't treat her like a child or anything like that, but I, I still kind of had in my mind who she had been rather than who she'd become. Does that make any sense? And, and you know, and, and still kind of expecting our relationship kind of be like it was <coughs> 16 and 18 rather than it was at a much later time when she's a, a fully grown, mature woman with children and, you know, all those kind of aspects. And Gosh, it was so telling uh, to me as to why certain things had played out and why I uh, dealt in certain ways. It was very, very helpful and healthy to recognize this and also to hopefully, I think, um, be exercised from, from that demon because it certainly wasn't helping our relationship. And I think uh, Jesus uh, brought uh, our relationship to a new place because of that opportunity for recognition. Yeah. Um, that's all I'm going to say about that. Satan knows our <laughs> vulnerable points. Satan knows where to hit us. But here's the good news. So does Jesus. Jesus knows us inside and out and is waiting for us to say, help, save me. That's what we talked about last week. That's what we say again today. Because Jesus wants to send our demons packing right over the hill and drown them. That's what Christ wants. Just like Legion, though, Jesus does not force himself into our lives. It said that, you know, Christ is a gentleman. He stands at the door and knocks, but does not force his way in. But he is waiting, and he's willing when we turn to him for help. He has the power to give us the freedom that he wants for us, the freedom from whatever is haunting us, whatever is torturing us, whatever is holding us. He has the power to free us. He, gives, he has the power to forgive us and give us the power to forgive others. He has the power to save. Hmm. Let's go back to the story. Those tending the pigs ran off and reported what had happened. 
in the town, uh, to the town, the countryside, and the people went out to see what had happened. And when they came to Jesus, they saw the man who'd been possessed by the legion of demons. He was sitting there dressed and in his right mind. I love that. He's in his right mind. And they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well. And then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. Wow. So here we have the guy sitting there dressed in his right mind. Jesus had exercised the demons, and you would think that everybody would be so excited and happy about that. But that's not what we see here. What happened was the people, when they saw this, what were they? They were afraid. And what did they tell Jesus to do? Leave. What is that about? Well, it's probably about business. You see, here Jesus exercised this man, sent 2,000 pigs to their death, but that was kind of costly for these people. The cost of pigs, the value of pigs, 2,000 to one man. You see, apparently that's more than they wanted to pay. And so we have to ask this question to us today. What is a person's soul worth? What is a person's soul worth? How much are we willing to pay? How far are we willing to go for a person's soul in order to bring someone to a saving relationship with the Savior of the world? What are we willing to do to help Bring somebody to freedom. How much are we willing to spend, give, do? How much do we value someone's mm. soul? We have a very practical example of that coming in a couple of weeks. You know, um, Easter, um, this, this Easter, we're going to have extra services here. And we're asking everybody, that'd be everybody, to serve at least one service, more if you can. And the disciple members, we're asking you, to come early, because 8 o'clock is earlier than our earliest service, or to come later, 11.45. In other words, get up earlier or eat lunch later that day and then serve at one, in be, or one or two in between because we want to make sure the seats, we have plenty of seats for our guests in those middle services because that's the most likely time people are going to show up. You say, but gosh, I don't want to get up an hour. Yeah, I know. I don't want to stand. I know. See, when we talk about disciple membership, we said that the privilege of membership <laughs> is giving up your seat. And this time, it's giving up your um, middle of the uh, service seat and going to an earlier or a later. Say, gosh, I don't really want to do that. That's the price we're talking about. Is it worth you getting up earlier or coming later so that somebody can have a seat, feel welcome, have a great experience, and possibly come to know who Jesus Christ is in other words, is it worth you getting up earlier or later so someone, it might make an eternal difference in someone's life? That's a good question, isn't it? It's a very good question. As we said, how much value does someone's soul have? You know, for Jesus, he was willing to give his very life for your soul and mine. What are we willing to, to give for somebody's soul? Let's see how this story ends up, beginning at verse 18. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Jesus did not let him, but said, Go home. 
to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. Say the rest with me. And all the people mm. were amazed. Mm. The Decapolis is a 10-city area. So he covered that area. Basically, he said, Jesus said, you're not coming with me. Bloom where you're planted. Share what you've seen and heard with the people who know you. And the people there, after they heard it, they were amazed. Of course. I know our time is short, but here's the most important thing. Jesus, you know, sent those demons packing. And this guy had a legion of demons. If Jesus is going to do it for that guy, don't you think he's going to do that for each one of us? He does not want us to be bound, to be tortured by those things that distract us from a relationship with him, distract us from living a life the way he wants us to live, kind and compassionate, to um, love God first. A lot of things try to get over that, to love God first and then love our neighbor. How do we do that? The first thing for me would be to name whatever it is that has a hold of me, like name my demon. And then to confess it, to find an accountability partner, to get prayer for it, and then to claim the freedom that God gives us and to say, you know, Christ, I know you can heal me from that. You can get an unbound appointment. Somebody, we've got trained people who can pray for you. Talk to Pastor Lori. Lori should love to line that up. There are so many ways for us to be free from mm. those things that bind mm. us. As we close today, we encourage you to pray on the steps, your seat back with Pastor Lori. And, and, and we encourage you, if you really feel a demon, to talk to her about the unbound opportunity to pray with somebody, pray you through that. But here's the thing to remember in your prayers or as you're talking, Jesus and Jesus alone has the power to free us from our challenges in life, to free us from those demons, either subtle or overt. Jesus and Jesus alone has the power to save you and me and to do it today. And here's the question for you, though. Are you ready for him to save you? Are you ready for that freedom from your demons? Are you ready to be amazed? We encourage you to pray. That's the good news. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Most holy God. It's quite a story. Wow. Freedom. Freedom in Christ. Please help us to each seek that. Please help us to each uh, open ourselves up to that. It's in Christ's name and in the power of your Holy Spirit we pray in all connection. Church said, Amen. Thank you for joining us for our podcast. For more information about Connection Community Church, please visit our website at connectioncc.org or on Facebook at facebook.com connectioncc. You can also contact our church office at 302-378-7692. Connection Community Church, connecting people with Jesus and the life he offers.